0: Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK systems, through June 16, 2024. See
1: participating retailer for details. Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusion supply. This is the Sports Illustrated Boxing Podcast. It's boxing. A look inside boxing with Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix. Interviews, analysis, and everything going on in boxing. And now a man who I wish was called the Boston bleeder.
2: All doctors to the ER.
1: It's sort of like getting punched in the face. Chris, Chris Mannix. Mannix. All right, welcome back to another episode of the SI Boxing Podcast. Glad you could join me this week because we have a loaded episode for you. We begin with Kevin Ioli, the senior boxing and MMA writer over at Yahoo Sports. As we know by now, UFC made its return this past weekend. It was a success by virtually any metric. There was some bumps along the way, but the numbers were huge. And you wonder, is the UFC and what they did now a blueprint for what boxing can do down the line. I talked to Kevin about that and much more. A little bit later on, Eddie Hearn, Matchroom Boxing, Matchroom Boxing USA. Eddie's among the top promoters that is still in the wait-and-see mode when it comes to the return of boxing during this pandemic. I talked to Eddie about his plans, uh, what a closed-door fight could look like for some of his top fighters, that much more with Eddie Hearn. Quick housekeeping note, if you like this podcast, one very easy way you can support it. Head over to Apple Podcasts, post a comment, leave a rating. It's simple, it's easy, it's free. It's the best way to make sure that we keep doing this podcast week after week. That's it. All right, let's go. All right, Kevin Ioli is here, senior boxing and MMA writer over at Yahoo Sports, also a good friend of the podcast. And uh, Kevin's out in Las Vegas, which I'm sure, Kevin, is still a very different place nowadays, right?
0: Yeah, it's not actually Viva Las Vegas anymore. Uh, the Strip, uh, there are going to be some people out there now moving around, unlike about a month ago, but it's still pretty dead. It's uh, This is not the Las Vegas that people would know and love.
1: No, no, certainly a lot to lies to change for it to get back to, to being that. Uh, Kevin, I want to talk to you about one specific topic, and that's uh, what we saw from the UFC this past weekend. UFC became... Really, the first of the you know major sports in the U.S. to come back uh, since this pandemic began in mid-March, they had UFC 249 in Jacksonville, Florida, and really, despite the criticism and uh, you know many people saying they shouldn't be doing it, it was a rousing success. According to reports, you know around 700,000 buys on ESPN Plus, uh, the TV numbers, the average on ESPN for the preliminaries. Uh, But 1.4 million, uh, another 500,000 people tuned in via ESPN Plus. It peaked at 1.6 million viewers, uh, tops in the 18 to 34, 18 to 49 demos, which are obviously huge for uh, advertising purposes. Uh, uh, You know, you cover both sports. Let's start with your kind of UFC hat, your takeaways from, uh, you know, what you saw from the event and, and, and how it was pulled off.
0: You know, the event itself, I thought, was spectacular, Chris. I mean, they had a series of great fights. really only one fight on the entire 11-fight card that pulled off was kind of, yeah, like that way. Otherwise, you know, these guys really brought it. There were a number of fights that could have easily been fight of the night the main event delivered it was a spectacular fight Uh, I I was laughing because I looked at the stats yesterday and you know I know that we always say hey use the punch stats for what they're worth but there were zero jabs (laughs) thrown in this fight there were zero takedown attempts this was just kicking and punching and kneeing and elbowing and it was all power shots and Justin Gaethje actually landed 72% of his power shots I mean it it was crazy so I thought you know from a competitive standpoint if you hadn't seen UFC before and you watch this. You had to be impressed and you had to say, I want to see more of this. Um, from the pulling it off standpoint, I thought they did largely very well. They had the one positive test after the weigh-in on Friday. Um, the bone that I would pick with uh, them, Jacare Souza, has a positive test. Um, and then there's video emerges, you know, that he's not social distancing and he, and he was with a couple other fighters and camp members and even at the weigh-in, if you look at the weigh-in, you know, he fist bumps Dana White and then Dana turns around right after that and hugs uh, the, the next fighter who came. Up. You know, so that is a little bit of a concern. And I have to wonder in two weeks, are we going to hear about UFC staff or other fighters that were around them that are going to uh, test positive? But I thought by and large, they did a really good job. I, I think that's something that they have to figure out. Okay, next time we get a, you know, because you know, there's going to be a next time. Next time we get a positive test, how do we deal with it? And ensure that the person uh does not do what he did. And I think the first thing they have to start, Chris, is you don't need to take pictures at these weigh ins, right? That you know, everybody understands the time we're in. There's plenty of pictures of these guys out there. There's reporters there saying they made weight. That's all you need.
1: Yeah, and look, you're right, there is a great unknown to it. Um in a couple of weeks, we'll probably learn if anything uh, came of, uh, you know, the subsequent exposure. Were there any more positive tests as a result of that event? We don't have that information uh, right now. And I agree with you. There are little things that UFC could have done better. There's no need for a weigh-in at all. Like, you could do a virtual weigh-in. Like, have everybody in a different right. room. They step on the scale. Then, look, it's the it's the 21st century. You can have. You can make it look like they're staring at each other. We do it on social media all the time, having pretend face-offs with each other. And Dana can even be in the middle of it from another room. Like you can, it can look like you're all mashed together for the purpose of photos.
0: Look to your left.
1: Yeah. That's, that's all you need to do. Like have a, you know, have a, one of those kind of situations. So, but that's, those are all little things, right? Like you, you can clean that up and still put on, a successful show and, and watching it. And I was one of the new viewers, Kevin, like I don't watch UFC on any kind of regular basis. I've never bought a UFC pay-per-view before outside of like the Mayweather McGregor stuff. Um, but like I watched from start to finish and uh, most of the time I kept it on mute because I, I don't really know what I'm hearing anyway. So I don't need to have the announcers, but the way that they darkened the, the, the crowd, the, the, the stands, you couldn't tell nobody was in the building. Like, you couldn't tell at all.
0: And I thought, Chris, what was really interesting, at least for me as a person who watches it all the time, as the fights had more significance, as the ones that, you know, the title fights came on... I noticed the empty arena less and less and less because it was like, Hey, you're so focused on what's happening on the fight. And so focused on that, that you're not noticing all that external stuff, or maybe early in the card, you're, you're looking for it. Hey, what's happening. You know, I noticed when Henry Cejudo and the co-main event walked in, he threw his hat into the crowd, which he always did. And of course there was an empty crowd there. <laughs> I actually- asked him about that at the press conference. He said, I just want to stick with my routine, and I did my routine. But, yeah, I, I thought it came off. I thought they did really well. You know, i give them a B plus for it. I think the only reason it's not an A is because of the, you know, Jacare lack of social distancing uh, after his positive test. But I, I thought they did really well, and they showed a good blueprint, at least for combat sports. I don't know about team sports because that's a whole different thing. But for, you know, boxing, this is something that can be followed, and, and, and it's pretty good.
1: Well, oh, before I get to the whole blueprint side of it, you, you did talk to some of the fighters that participated afterwards. I mean, how did they feel about, you know, being part of an event? And I understand, like we said, the caveat, we know there is some kind of language in their contracts that they're not going to say anything too sharp. But I mean, what, what was their sense about being part of an event that didn't have a crowd?
0: You know, most of them were saying that they didn't even notice it. You know, the, the comments that they did make were, Hey, I could hear the announcers talking and that, you know, two fighters, Greg Hardy, the ex NFL player and Carla Esparza, uh, the former women's champion uh, they both said they heard Daniel Cormier talking and giving advice. And so they adjusted doing what he did. And both of them were in trouble, came back and won their fights. And so, you know, that was kind of interesting. Um, but other than that, you know, most of them said, hey, that it was just like a normal fight. You got in there and we're used to going in the gym and that's how it is in the gym and, and we do it. And, you know, Tony Ferguson in the main event, he pointed out that, hey, when you're in the ultimate fighter, that's exactly like uh, like it is. So, you know, it wasn't that unfamiliar to them. And I, I think they were all saying, hey, we're, you know, we feel comfortable, we feel safe, and uh, we felt like it was done done properly.
1: Yeah, you know, it remind and you've covered a lot of Olympics, it reminded me hearing those fighters say that they could hear the ringside, you know, uh, announcers. It reminded me of how at the Olympics sometimes you have boxers that are getting advice in their corner but they're also looking at like their dad in the stands or their trainer in the stands like hearing him shout uh, information at them that they ultimately incorporate that into what they do. Um you have a great understanding of the financial models of boxing and UFC. And they're very different models, right? Like the top earner, at least by the Florida commission numbers, was Tony Ferguson at this last fight, about half a million dollars. Headliners at major boxing events make way more than that. Even in guaranteed money, they make way uh, more than that. From a strictly kind of financial perspective, is it possible for boxing to pull off what UFC did?
0: well i th- no not at the at the prices they pay right now i mean like let let's look at that Terrence Crawford and Mira Khan fight that top rank did last year. So it's about a year ago now, maybe a little more than a year ago. It's sold less than a hundred thousand on pay-per-view. If I remember correctly, Terrence Crawford made over $5 million guarantee for that fight. Plus he's getting a take on the pay-per-view. Um, you know, you had a decent gate, but not a huge gate. Um, the numbers just don't add up. You're paying those top two fighters so much money. There's no other money left for anybody and so people wonder about why are the undercards bad why isn't there more promotion you know ufc does things like they build the apex center they build the performance institute because they have money left over after the sh- they pay the fighters that they can do these things and they can use it. So, you know, it's kind of a different way. I think Ferguson will end up making close to 2 million on that fight. Um, and Justin Gaethje probably, you know, maybe a million and a half, you know, a million and three quarters, something like that. Um, you know, the top stars Conor McGregor uh, is, you know, is in eight figures. Habib is now in, you know, in eight figures uh, when they fight. But I think, you know, they have something there because, Nobody can complain about making a several million dollar purse with upside. And then you're able to put the promoters able to put other fights on the card. and You can make the sport better. And I think as you grow the sport, you know, it, it benefits everybody and everything is exponentially grows. I think the fighters really have to look at that.
1: Yeah. And one thing I, I, I think when it comes to boxing is that it might be a little too simplistic but you say to a fighter like Terrence Crawford, like, here's what you made in your last fight. Um, here's what percentage of it came from the gate and, you know, what we had to pay the expenses to get this happen. We're subtracting that. You can still go on and fight, but it's for X dollars. And Bob Arum has said this to me, like, you know, basically shut or get off the pot. Like, you want to do this for this amount of money, you go ahead and and we'll do it. And fighters... Look, they've got to realize, Kevin, like all of us are kind of out there suffering on some level, right? Like people that are out of work are suffering on some level. People that have seen uh, pay cuts happen are suffering on some level. Boxers can't be immune to this. Athletes are not immune to this. If you want to continue your career, well, you're going to have to do it. But at a percentage of what you were doing at your, you know, on the regular basis of your career.
0: Yeah, I I think one of the problems, Chris, is that the boxing promoters let this get to this point, right? Like, I I think you and I probably share the same feeling. You know, we are in favor of the athletes, and we want to see the athletes get as much money as they possibly get. So, I hate talking about hey, the athletes are getting too much, Mm -hmm. but I think that they're getting too much vis-a-vis what is being brought in, and that and that is the problem. And so, you know, in the NBA or the NFL, they deserve more. Um, And Major League Baseball the same way. So I have no problem with Mike Trout making $40 million because they can still have teams all over Major League Baseball that that are competitive and, and financially viable. You can't have that in boxing. That is the problem, in my opinion, in boxing under the current model. And I think it's been, you know, years of abuse by promoters and and everything else that's been happening. You know, one thing layers on top of another. Now you're trying to dig out of a huge pile. And I think part of the way you get out of that is you try to make the fighters understand, hey, let's take a couple million less and I'm still going to pay you big money. But now we're going to be able to build a good card underneath and we're going to hopefully grow the sport. So, like in the boxing case, you want to get more of the 18 to 34s and more of the 18 to 49s. And I think the interest is there. It's just the fact that they are so disillusioned by what has gone on for most of their lives.
1: So, if you're boxing, Kevin, don't you take, I mean, you see what UFC did and they did it in as safe a way as you can do it. Don't I mean, don't you just want to run to get back into it? I mean, it just seems like the runway is so wide open right now for sports. Like if you can bring back a credible event and it can't be just like a side versus D side. But if you can bring back a credible event, you can grow the sport. You can grow your own brand. If you're a boxer, the eyeballs on you are going to be extreme, aren't they?
0: I, I think they will be. I agree with that hundred percent. Now, you know, the problem is that there's only limited places that you can go right now to do it. Like, you know, even UFC is not able right now to go to Las Vegas. You know, they want to go to their apex facility and put shows on there. And it would actually, the UFC employees are flying five hours across the country to put this fight on in Jacksonville. They'd all be staying in Nevada. So the governor of Nevada is saying we're not going to let the UFC put a fight on um, in Nevada And yet he's making all those people fly across the country. And then you're in a hotel where they have total control of that facility and they know who's where and and who's going in. It'll make it safer. But I think, you know, that the, the UFC is willing and able to spend money to go other places that not all boxing promoters can do at this point because they have no income. And they don't have the kind of financial reserves. And I think that's the big thing. And how do we dig ourselves out of that hole? And I'm not saying it's easy and that I have all the answers, but that's the problem in a nutshell. They don't have the money to do what Dana White did. Dana White spent an inordinate amount of money to get all the approvals and to get everything he wants to do. He acquired 15,000 tests. You know, they did 1,200 tests this week, uh, or they will as of Saturday. They will have done 1,200 tests. Imagine what that cost is, and they have to have personnel to do that and everything. It just and boxing promoters don't have the ability to uh, pay that kind of money, they are so dependent on event to event and having that TV money come in. That's where a big problem is,
1: yeah. And the TV money is the big thing, right? Like, if that TV money is there, boxing and boxing promoters should still be able to put on uh, decent events. Now, I'm not even talking yet about Canelo or Anthony Joshua or even Terrence Crawford. I'm talking about Ryan Garcia or Sergey Kovalev, Sullivan Barrera, or some of the prospects, the lower-level guys, Virgil Ortiz, Devin Haney, uh, go on down the list. These guys should be back in action. And, look, if every promoter out there, Kevin, is not, like, calling event places in Florida, they're doing it wrong. Like, the state of Florida has decided that boxing and professional sports are essential services. You can hold events there. Now, it certainly is pricey. You mentioned the cost of the tests, the loss of the gates, flying everybody down there. But if everybody is willing to kind of cut their profit margins from fighters to promoters on down, you can do this. And the upside is there. The upside to grow your brand and to grow the sport, in my opinion, is... Enormous, and every week that goes by that boxing isn't scheduling something to come back to me is a major opportunity missed.
0: Uh, Chris, I mean, I would say this in, in response to that: you look at boxing, you say when comes back, and we are looking at the NFL uh, playing Major League Baseball, and a condensed season going. NBA and NHL are going to be in their playoffs. Uh, college, you know, sports theoretically will be going there's going to be less attention, less time for boxing because, you know, golf majors are all going to be in the fall, right? So boxing comes back in the fall. You have that immense competition that you're never going to really be able to get prime dates and you're in, and prime media coverage. But now if you do it just like UFC did the other day, you have that ability to get people to say, Hey, you know what? I haven't watched boxing for a number of years. And I, am missing it. You know, they're doing it right now. And they, they fixed the problems that I didn't like before that in my mind is what they should do. And um, they should take advantage of that. I know like for instance, top rank is working uh, with Nevada, trying to get, uh, get the Nevada athletic commission uh, to sanction them and get them rolling. Uh, But I think they should be looking elsewhere as well as Nevada. Uh, But once uh, this is a huge opportunity, but once everybody else comes back, then it's less of an opportunity.
1: And Kevin, I don't know how you feel about the whole safety side of it. Um, But like, I mean, there's a lot of Twitter tough guys out there that, you know, come at me when I write columns about boxing coming back who say, you know, talk to me in three weeks. It's not ready to come back yet. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Let me just say this. If you're waiting for absolute certainty on uh, – you know, coming back and holding sporting events without having someone test positive for coronavirus. I'll catch up with you in a few years because the reality is that's how long it's going to be probably before we are completely free of this virus and this is no longer a part of our society. That might even be conservative. I mean, who knows how long it's going to take to completely eradicate uh, this virus. Until then, all you can do is the best you can do. All you can do is test as much as possible leading up to an event. If somebody tests positive, yank them out. Yank their team out. Quarantine them. When they get finished with an event, go home and quarantine for two weeks just to be on the safe side. And look, the safety people out there, and I'm not like, there's so many safety people that that drive me crazy. Where, where are the safety people when we were talking about like, fixing the sport after Patrick Day died? Where are the safety people that are, you know, are not there talking about undercard VADA testing and and all the, the drug test needs to go on across the sport? I mean, I just, the, the safety people kind of drive me crazy because I don't feel like they're being honest with, you know, their arguments about fighter safety. We do need to do everything we can to keep fighters safe, but... At some point, there's going to need to be calculated risks take if you want to get the sport going again.
0: Yeah. I mean, Chris, what I think, you know, like I liked what the UFC did. I was against California and I was going to go to Tachi Palace when they did that because, you know, it was a rogue event. Uh, I think I mentioned this to you before. You know, they were going against the governor of California. They were going against uh United States senator from California. Uh, they were going against the athletic commission and, you cases were still on the rise in all 50 states when, when they were trying to go on April 18th. Now, you know, it's different. And while I don't, I don't want to, I agree with you. The virus is nowhere near contained, but it's slowed down a lot. And now, you have the state of Florida approved it and we see states that are now willing to have combat sports come back. And so my, my thing is this, learn from what the UFC did. Boxing should learn from that. So the one thing that UFC can work better is, Hey, don't let anybody get together. There's no reason for the coaches to be with the fighters until, you know, when they're training, like the coaches don't need to be at the weigh in, you know, any of that kind of stuff, you know, let the commission be there, let the person get on a scale and then go back to their room. There should be nobody wandering around the hotel. There should be nobody hanging out in common areas, um, that type of thing. And I think if they do that, then you know you can make a lot of improvements and you can have these events safely. That is what we have to do because, like you say, it's going to be a long time before there is no coronavirus in in this world.
1: Yeah, and fighters, Kevin, and you, you know, Dana White. One thing he said was like, "Man, it's tough to give up on a Conor McGregor purse," but. You you see McGregor tweeting, see you in July. I mean, you're going to have probably big time UFC fighters that might generate major gates back fighting in front of no crowds fast and you have boxing realize it. I mean, I just, based on what we know, I don't believe that we're going to have crowds in arenas in 2020. I think it's kind of wishful thinking to say you're going to have major crowds back, even when they're allowed to come back. Pretty good chance People don't go to arenas until there's a a vaccine in place or some kind of advancements in medical technology. So these these up these upper level fighters who are kind of dismissing the idea of fighting behind closed doors. Okay, but we'll see it down the line because you either take the TV money minus the gate or you don't fight at all. I mean, that's kind of where we're headed, isn't it?
0: I think so. I mean, you know, like uh, you had the interview with Terrence Crawford, and he said, you have to pay me more if there's nobody there. And I thought this shows just a complete lack of understanding of – any business principle whatsoever and your career is going to pass you by without any of the big fights that you want to get. And you're going to sit out for a long period of time and then maybe retire because you haven't fought for a couple of years. And when you come back, you're not as relevant as you were at this point. Now, I mean, Terrence Crawford is a great example of a guy who is who really needs to fight. And I think, you know what, go back and, and take a fight and, and, take a little bit less money because you'll make money in the long run. I firmly believe that if people see Terrence Crawford is so good as a fighter and he's a guy that I think will, people will love who have not seen him fight, will love to watch him fight, but he he can't be hard headed and say, you're going to have to pay me this money that was uh, from a long, you know, long ago time. And, I'm not going to fight otherwise. Um, And I need a crowd there because then you're not going to fight and you're just going to wear away and and your career is going to end. Is
1: it like, is it frustrating for you as, as a boxing fan to kind of see this? I mean, we're we're journalists first, but we're both fans of the sport. Like we like to watch it and we uh, hope it grows, but like just to see if they really wait until like August, it just feels like an opportunity that's wasted. And for these networks too, I mean, you know ESPN, which has nothing on its air now but like classic fights and at-home studio shows. Same thing with Fox. And you know DAZN is a subscriber-based service that its subscribers are starved for for live content. They're dying. These are mostly hardcore boxing fans that really want live content and are willing to re-sign up or sign up to watch it. It just feels like there's there's just so much opportunity here for boxing to capitalize it. It just seems to once again be taking like a bazooka to its foot uh by not coming back as as fast as it should
0: yeah i, I agree with you i mean i think you know we've uh we're on the same page where we need to see boxing promoters take very solid steps forward, and, and we all understand the risks that are out there. But there's ways to uh, minimize the risk that you know that is that you face. And you know, Top Rank, one of the things they're talking about doing is maybe four or five fights on a card, and you know, having more frequent cards but less you know on a card, so there's less people at a given spot. I I mean, I can live with all those kind of adjustments, but I think the promoters need to get out there and get um and get the fights on as quickly as they can. They have the opportunity to do it. And I think um, you know, there, there's a blueprint that they can go and they can take from what UFC did. And I'm sure Dana White would share that information with them um, if, if they ask. And I'll tell you, maybe it's a licensing opportunity for Dana White. You know, maybe he calls it, you know, Zufa Medical or whatever he wants to call it and, um, and, and sells them his plan that he did and that he came up with uh, with his staff that allowed their event to go on. But there, there is – it's been proven there's a way to do this and do it safely, and I think that you can go forward with this. Always going to be risk uh, for somebody – but as long as you do it as safely as possible and minimize that risk as much as possible and i think that that's what ufc has done.
1: Yeah, risk isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Um but you're right. You know, maybe you can work with dane on the medical side of it and you know, more importantly, for boxing promoters, get to work, man. Like get out there, be proactive, get the sport back up and running. It's not it's not being opportunistic. I mean, i guess it is being opportunistic, but it's not being you know uh, insensitive to the pandemic to want to get back and back into action i think every business wants to get back to normal and boxing right now has an opportunity to establish some kind of normalcy they just have to you know get creative and work harder to get back out there and uh, ultimately do it uh kevin always appreciate your time man i'm sure we'll be talking uh a lot a lot kind of days ahead as uh ufc and boxing try to get back into the mix thanks for joining me man
0: you got it my man thank you chris With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: What's up? I'm John Wall. And
1: I'm CJ Toledana, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA six Man of the Year, Yes. All right. Joining me now on the podcast, the man that has traveled many miles, but not a lot recently, Matchroom Boxing, Matchroom Boxing USA promoter Eddie Hearn coming to us from his home in England. Eddie, how's it going, man?
2: Yeah, you're right, actually. It's been so weird. I haven't had a flight since the Jesse Vargas-Mikey Garcia fight, which was due uh, February 29th or something like that, wasn't it? So I haven't been on a plane for March, April, May, and probably won't in June. It's four months of the year. So I feel pretty good, Chris, to be honest with you. Like, I've been sleeping properly, been trying to work out a lot, but obviously eating a lot as well because there's not a lot else to do. And here, obviously, every country is different. We we watch from afar, your uh, leader extraordinaire, Mr. Trump, every day come out and give his press conferences. That's That's been almost great entertainment for us over here. And we wait on ours, and we got one last night, which was as clear as mud, to be honest with you. Um, But kind of news today that they're going to start allow sport back behind closed doors from June the 1st. Um, That's not every sport, because every sport has different kind of requirements. And obviously, you see the UFC running at the weekend. And I think for me, just now, it's been a period of nice to spend some time with the family, sort of just consolidate the mind a little bit about where we're going with boxing. I think it was a whirlwind, wasn't it, for everybody, where it was like, you know, just come in, everyone's spending crazy money. Sometimes you get it right, sometimes you get it wrong, but if you get it wrong, don't worry, there's another week next week. And it's just, it's kind of all bundled into one. And I think it's been a good time of reflection and consolidation as well for the business and for the sport to understand what we were doing right, what we were doing wrong and I think probably a time for most promoters myself, I know Bob Arum has been quite vocal about it. It's just sort of sit back and say, okay, let's just think about what we're doing here, you know, and just try and get things right. Maybe adjust the market a little bit and just, just start planning for the future to, to probably give the sport a little bit more longevity by just trying to stop the craziness and the madness and, mm. and starting to think a little bit more. So, uh, you know, I've enjoyed it. I'm ready to go back to work. We are kind of filtering back to work here a little bit. I don't know how many Zooms I've done in, in 12 weeks, but it's probably over 100. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, just a mad time. I mean, we, we were flying. You know, it's, it's so strange that about a week before this all happened, i just finished a document which was detailing my our, our expansion into about another six markets you know, Australia, uh, into the Middle East, into Canada, into Germany, and then bang, crash, bang, wallet. this happens. So it just shows you that anything could happen, you know, in life and in business. And I'm excited by what lays ahead. And I'm excited about the closed door, behind door, closed doors, whatever you want to call it, the challenge. Because it's not going to be easy. And no one's, certainly in the UK, I think we're the only people really that can do it. In America, there's gonna be three or four or five people trying to do it, but it's not gonna be easy. And it's not just a case of just sticking it in a studio. You know, there there's there's gonna be a skill to it, and an art to it. And I'm I've been trying to get my head around that as well. All
1: right, let, let me unpack a few things that you said there. One was you mentioned the UFC, and they went this past weekend in Jacksonville, Florida, a state that has effectively opened up to all sports and combat sports. And things like professional wrestling have already jumped into that fray. Um, what, what were your takeaways from what UFC did? Because I watched the the TV product, Eddie. It you know, I it was certainly strange at times to see fighters walk out in empty arenas, to see uh, you know big hits not accompanied by the soundtrack of a crowd. Uh, but from a television perspective, they seemed to be able to pull it off. They, it certainly wasn't flawless. Uh, because of the positive test of one of the fighters and two of the members of his camp. But as a promoter, what were your takeaways from watching UFC jump back into it?
2: So I think like I did a few interviews a couple of weeks ago where I, I, I said things like, felt like a little bit of bad taste at the time. I do think it's a moving beast in that sort of everything gets better. And once someone does it, it's almost acceptable. And you have to really applaud Dana White for pulling it off. You know, I, I, I've not criticized him about it, but it wouldn't yet feel right for me. I'm just talking about here, you know, and America's different. It's state by state. You know, some people, and if it's allowed, you can do it. I mean, that's the reality. It's just not allowed here yet. So it didn't quite sit right with me, but as it went on and it got closer to the event, closer to the event, I just messaged him on Friday and said, you're a crazy mofo. And he come back and he said, thank you. Thank you, brother. You know, I appreciate it. And, and then he, he messaged me yesterday and said, it was massive. You know, i got one down, two or three more to go. Then it's over to you. You know, and I said, and I went back to him and I just talked about like, there's, there's a couple of things. Firstly, from a TV perspective. Um, I like the fact that you can hear the shots land more. You can hear the fighters breathing when they're in trouble you know there is a lot of compelling components to that the, the fight sport behind closed doors and the rawness of it i'm still getting still trying to get my head around the arena itself when i come back in the uk i've got plans that uh, we're building something very impressive that it's not going to be in an arena with empty seats i don't know whether that's the look that i want it's easier to do and listen there are so many barriers, Chris. You know, like we're putting documents together at the moment for the US and for the UK. And it is like, it's so difficult to do. I could imagine a lot of people gearing up to do it and then halfway through just going, Do you know what? Let's just give it another couple of months because it's going to be easier and, and so forth. So I really applaud the UFC for for going through with it. There are things that they did that I think they they made mistakes, and I think they know that. And I think that really includes this creation of an area that has to be like an isolation point before you move into fight camp, you know? So like with them, you had a fighter who took his test, moved into the fight camp, weighed in, et cetera. And then they found out he was positive. For me, you have to test these people, get all the results. When they're clear, you move them into another area. And that is a sterile environment. So, but again, it's not easy. You know, they're going to, they're going to make mistakes. So, I commend them. I thought the event was great. Uh, Was a bit weird, you know, when you had sort of Joe Rogan saying, right, make some noise, you know, or let's hear it for so-and-so. And and then it sort of pans back to the studio. But it is what it is. And I think you have to make it as fascinating as possible for the audience. You have to tell the story. You have to speak to the fighters about it. I've been doing a lot of interviews at the moment saying to fighters, how do you feel about it? You know, are you still gonna get that same buzz? Are you gonna be able to raise your performance to where it needs to be? Some will perform better, some will perform worse, but we got to tell that story. And I think what UFC did to a certain level, but you know, the testing, everything, it's gotta be so documented, Chris. It's gotta be like live updates, you know, across social media. Here we are, we're opening the envelope, you know, for Ferguson and he's negative. Right. Let's hear it for Tony. <laughs> Off you go. He goes, you know, to, to fight. So, but it's... it's is that it's a little narrative. too glib? Is
1: that a little too yeah, glib? probably. Or... <laughs> probably, you right. Yeah, yeah. But
2: you get what I'm saying. I mean, it might not be the best idea, but, okay. but it's got to be the drama of everything. So, you know, and we will be staging world championship fights behind closed doors. Like in, in, in environments, obviously we've got our plans in America, we've got our plans in the US. The dates are very different. One thing that I think is really interesting is is clearly the preparation for a top-level fighter in a defining fight needs to be right. I'm talking about boxers. So any boxer, I don't believe – I know that some guys have got, like, keys to a gym and, you know, they might do a little pad session with a trainer, but I don't believe there's a lot of sparring taking place around the world right now. My guys are going to want a minimum, minimum of four weeks – probably more like six to eight weeks when the gyms open. So whilst I love to try and be a trailblazer and I love to sort of, yeah, oh, we've got to get back. I'm, I'm quite relaxed. You know, I'm not thinking we've got to do it. Like if I'm looking at the American side, I'm not thinking we've got to be in in June. Now I know top rank are planning on going in June, but if they're really going to go June the 13th or something like that, that's four weeks away. So, are the fights going to be just one-sided fights where a fighter really only needs three or four spars and he's good to go? I don't really want to do those fights. I want to come back with the schedules we had. I want to do world championship fights. I want to try and do unification fights. In the UK, we want to do white pavetkin, et cetera. So you can't expect me to call someone on Friday and go, right, you're fighting in three weeks, okay? And it's it's like the career-defining fight. I think you're going to get a lot of fighters saying no. So for me... My timelines are more like July, to be honest with you, in both territories. Um, We just had an announcement in the UK that June the 1st, they're going to start allowing professional sports to take part behind closed doors. But it's not just... We have one body in the UK, the British Boxing Board of Control. You have your different states and your different different athletic commissions for those states, licensing and regulating those states. So for us, the board have said, no boxing until July anyway. and And we'll follow that. And it's more that it's... To be honest, because it's more the um, the medical side, you know, making sure that the correct doctors are there and they're not being pulled away for a a national emergency, making sure that we don't put pressure on our national health service by just doing a fight and having three or four guys needing to go to the hospital after, you know. So slowly but surely. But I'm quite relaxed right now. Maybe a month ago, I was like, "We've got to go." You know, we've got to. It's got to be June. It's just like, okay, just let's get it right. The longer we leave it, the less barriers there will be. Doesn't mean let's just leave it till September or October, but, you know, and of course, every situation is governed by a broadcaster. We're all going to lose money in the interim. It's about promoters, got no gates. So we need to make sure we've got the support of the broadcasters. So we're governed really by a broadcaster saying, we would like boxing to return then. And this would what, you know, this is how, and it's a chance for a clean slate those broadcasters to say give me the schedule and we can go to market with the schedule and particularly when you look at the zone it's a great opportunity for them to come out really and say okay august or whatever this is what we're doing september this is what we're doing uh october november december there's no reason why they can't really map out the next six months in a calendar to subscribers and fight fans to saying this is your extended fight season and we've never really had the chance to do that before and we do need to get tougher with fighters. You know, we do need to try and eradicate the warm-up fight, you know, and, and the, the big fight or the easy fight for big money. And we've got to try and be a little bit tougher and go back to them now. And so, and, and the managers and everybody understands it's not going to be easy. Everybody's going to going to feel the squeeze a little bit, especially till we get back into the big arenas where we can fill them up.
1: Yeah, two things I would say to what you said there. One is I agree with most of what you said about UFC coming back. Uh, I think the problems they had are certainly fixable. I mean, the goofiness of the weigh in and, you know, Dana White not wearing a mask and the optics being bad uh, with guys taking pictures in the ring without masks. I mean, these are all things that they can get better at very quickly. But if it is just you know, three people that tested positive. I think, Eddie, we, we kind of have to accept the reality that when you put on sporting events, stuff like that's going to happen. Like, if you're waiting for the day to come when you're not going to have positive tests, you're going to be waiting a very long time. Like, you just, there's a certain level of risk, I think, that has to be assumed for sports to come back. Now, what what you said about the about coming back in, in August or or whatever and getting things rolling then how much do you factor in especially with your stateside operation the fact that when you get into august and september you're going to be slamming right into everything else coming back like you know whether it's the major sports and baseball basketball football college golf tournaments the the derbies that were put off down the line i mean how do you weigh that with you know trying to get back early to have a clear runway versus coming back uh, gradually and having to compete with so many other sports
2: well firstly we we will come back as soon as possible but we will come back when i say soon as possible in terms of when we feel it like it's safe when we feel like our fighters will be correctly prepared but more importantly when our broadcaster wants us to come back as well so i think july is still a realistic return point in both territories um is Again, that the message I, I just,
1: you're getting from zone like July? Is that kind of the, yeah. the message you're getting? I
2: think right now it's, it's not really more about the return date. It's about what is the schedule, you know? So it's not just we just want to come back as soon as possible. Just give us a fight. You know, it's like let's think about this now. We've got an opportunity to say to subscribers, this is your schedule. And I think that schedule should run till the end of December, you know? So I think for us – it's more about what the broadcaster desires more than anything else. So we do, you know, I want to make that clear. We want to return as soon as possible. A big problem that all sports are going to have now is the competition in terms of coming back and particularly scheduling. You know, if you look at the UK, when we come back in July, we're going to be bumping into the Premier League football. that are talking about playing three games a day. You know, you've got cricket, you've got all the other sports are creating almost like these isolated environments with live content coming all day for different sports. So that's something where we've got to be creative. That also means that we have to create the best fights, the best schedule that we can. And that's why when I talk about the easy fights and the fights that might not be so compelling, it's really time to give those the big elbow and say, I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. You know, And, and that might not be what fighters or not really fighters, but particularly advisors or managers want to hear. But it's the reality of the situation. So if you want to take an easier fight or you don't want to step up and be in a fight that subscribers and the, 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 the boxing fans want to see, you can wait. Do you know what I mean? So mm. it's almost like, I feel like we're moving more, a little bit more towards the UFC model now where it's going to be, right, here's our schedule. You, you're fighting him. Oh, oh, oh uh, don't, you know, I'm not sure about it. Okay, no worries. You can wait. Right, who's up, you know, you and you, you in? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. they right, you're one, you know, rather than, oh, how about this opponent? No, you know, me and my team, with would like these guys, you know, and it's like, Ooh. and in the past we might have been too weak to say, all right, but we can't afford to do that anymore because of the competition, like you just said, not just with other networks in boxing and other promoters, but other sports. So we've got to come back with a schedule that boxing fans and sports fans look at it and go, like it. We can't afford weak fights anymore. You know, and that's one thing that I'm trying to get my head around. I don't want to I don't want to bring boxing back with weak fights. You know, over here they're saying you just can't do a big fight without a crowd. All right, well let's try. Let's try and do a big fight without a crowd. You know, UFC just did it. You know, I know it wasn't the, the biggest fight they've ever done, but it was a big card. So I feel like if we return with boxing and we rush it back with poor level content and bad quality fights, it's going to do ourselves more damage in the long run, especially against the bigger against the bigger uh, sports. And I feel that, you know, a lot of the messages I'm getting out of, I don't know, with top-ranked return, for example, is not pop at top rank, is they're going to almost use it as like filling fights, you know? So, Teofimo Lopez, obviously you're not going to fight um, Lomachenko. Do you want a warm-up defence, you know? He's going to be like 100 to 1 on to beat some guy they've plucked out of somewhere, you know. Is that actually going to do us good? You look at what the UFC have done. Well, Eddie, come back you,
1: you have, real quick, you have, um, like, take Devin Haney, for example. Like, yeah. one of the best young fighters you have in the stable, who, in his next fight, is probably not going to take on a world beater. He's coming off
2: a... He has to. No, no, Chris, okay. he has to. All right. He has to, you know. There's no value. And Devin, I've, I've had the conversation with Devin and Bill, and he's a good example of someone that actually wants to be in proper fights. The difference is with Devin, and the, the slight disadvantage he has, is he's coming off shoulder surgery. You know. So notoriously, you would give that guy a slightly easier fight. We're not going to do ourselves any favours if we put on Devin Haney against someone you've never heard of in a one-sided beatdown I feel like we're losing the opportunity to expose ourselves in the shop window with a poor with a poor product. So Devin, like, there's no reason why Devin shouldn't fight Luke Campbell. He shouldn't fight Javier Fortuna. He shouldn't fight Jorge Linares in his first fight back. You know, because and, and I shouldn't give broadcasters the rope to hang me, but I think they've got to be strong here, the broadcasters, and I think they've got to say, no, it's not good enough. You know, and, and I think, and 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 I, I know that we're financially handicapped because we've got no gate, and I know that we're up against it, but I just feel that it's a time where everybody needs extra bang for their buck. It doesn't matter whether it's DAZN. doesn't matter whether ESPN. doesn't matter whether it's, you know, the customer going into your local shop on the corner, and you want to make, you know, you're not just pulling out money anymore saying, yeah, whatever. You know, it's the same on pay-per-views, $80, $90. Yeah, it's a pay-per-view. You're not going to think like that anymore. More people are losing jobs. More people have less disposable income. So unless we're giving quality, it's going to affect the product. And I just think I don't I don't want to come back and say, "Yeah, we brought boxing back," and it and it's just a card that's that's poor. Mm. I would rather wait just a little bit longer, get the fighters ready, make Progre against Hooker. You know, make 50-50 fights. Haney against Luke Campbell. You know, we we know the bigger fights we want to make. Canelo against Triple G. Canelo against Billy Joe Saunders. Joshua against Fury. Pacquiao against Mike But in that short, medium term, we have to all invest in our sport to make sure that we keep up. You know, and I'm talking about Matrim having to invest and put the money up. The zone going to be investing and put the money up because we have to come back with quality. Otherwise, like you say, the Derby, the NBA, all this. Do you think they're going to look at you know, Devin Haney against some bloke you've never heard of. Like, yeah, great, boxing's back. And that's, it's going to be a celebration when it is. But we are under more pressure than ever to produce, in my opinion. And we've got to do it by investing money, but also being tougher with the fighters. And saying, look, if you believe in yourself, you're a favourite in this fight. You know, like, you have to step up and take this fight. If not, you will have to wait and we want to know from the fighters who wants a real fight?
1: Call me. Do, do you think, though, Eddie, like, look, I, that all sounds great. And, and believe me, I think that's the best way to push boxing forward to have better fights more consistently. But do, you talk to fighters all the time. You do Instagram lives with them, you do stuff like this with them. Uh, do they understand and do their managers understand the new financial reality, which might see them take tougher fights? maybe for less money than they'd be expecting because the live gates just aren't there?
2: Well, I know that Bob has made it quite clear publicly that that is his intention really is to bring Persis down. And I have to say, Chris, Persis have got – I mean, you know the business. They've got completely out of control – And listen, part of it's my fault. And the Zone's fault, they've had to come in, they've had to make some noise. many promoters
1: have blamed you over the last uh, 18 months. (laughs) Yes,
2: the other day I was on the phone to him. He said, well, it's all your fault anyway. And before you, it was our, you know. But it's like, we don't wanna stop paying fighters great money, they deserve it. But we just need to make sure it's delivering value. Not, Not value for us, but value for our customers. And our customers are our broadcasters. So, you know, we have been in a stage lately where when you're signing a fighter, if I'm signing a fighter to Matchroom Boxing USA or Zone, you lure them in, Chris, don't you, with that first easy fight, you know? Oh, look at that money. What, I've got a fighter, top 15 guy, great. Now, when you get to a stage where it's opponents to be agreed, we've just got to be in a situation where we're not, you know, we're not unfair, but it's not even going to come down to matchroom, really. It's going to come down to the broadcasters. And if I was the broadcasters in this marketplace, in this environment, in this economy, I would be saying, I want great content, what you got. And the supplier, the rights holder will go back and say, problem is I haven't got a gate. And I'm just, my hands are tied because I've only got this budget for the show and I can't afford a great opponent because, you know, and then that's when you've got to make it happen somehow. But I'm, I'm almost on the side of the broadcaster here, Chris. Like, you know, and I, rather than the promoter, even though I'm a promoter, because I, I think this is the time. I think, the, and listen, we may, it might be a, a time where we, we all collectively try and, you know, shake up the world of boxing and, and get it right. And, and maybe there's some casualties along the way. You know, I'm not talking about fires, I'm talking about maybe promoters. But I think if we don't get the model right now, I think the best way to describe it is this is our greatest ever chance to get boxing right. Mm. And we have to take this opportunity and we have to do it right. And that could be in terms of fights. That could be in terms of purses. That could be in terms of um, you know contracts, broadcasters, schedules, to tri- like so many different things. But the key to a great product in fight sports is the fight. Mm. And we just cannot afford any more just to do this guy against this guy down there, you know, and I've done it. I've done it loads of times on the zone because that's how you bring a fighter into your stable. So we either have to accept we may lose fighters or we might not sign any more new fighters, but we have to be fair. But we have to say you've got to give value and you've got to fight. And this environment now, this economy says you need to be in a real fight and you'll get great money for it, but I- you've got to have a that's
1: a it's a natural segue to my next question, which is about Gennady Golovkin, who uh, you are part of his promotional team. Uh, he spoke to my colleague Greg Bishop last week about uh, his future, and he says he is not ready to fight Canelo Alvarez in his next fight. He says he wants to go forward with a planned fight against Camille Zarametta, his mandatory challenger for the IBF title. Uh, this is obviously, Eddie, something that runs counter to what DAZN, his broadcast partner, wants to do. When they signed Golovkin uh, about a year ago, they planned on having a Golovkin versus Canelo fight. If he goes ahead with a Zara Meta fight, that will be three fights into the deal that they don't get the marquee fight that they were looking for. So I know you've talked to Golovkin uh, recently. Yeah. What's what's his take on this? Explain to me how this I, I, all
2: can work. So I feel that actually... Gennady's had a little bit of an unfair rap over this, because actually, if you look at the what happened, you know, Gennady signed his contract with The Zone with a view to fighting Canelo Alvarez in September uh, or, sorry, May of this year. You know, it was always going to be his second fight, effectively. So he was going to fight Steve Rolls, and then he was going to fight Canelo in September of last year, Okay. We know what happened, you know, Canelo and Golden boy they weren't in agreement that that was the fight they were going to move forward with. So all of a sudden, Golovkin is gutted. You know, he wants the, to fight Canelo Alvarez. This is the reason that he did the deal, to move forward and be under one banner with the same guy that he wanted to fight so badly. And then he was told, we can't make that fight. He went away. And when we spoke to Zone, it was very clear, look, you can't fight Canelo right now, but what you're going to do is you're going to fight Um, uh, Derevanchenko for the title, then you're going to have your mandatory defence, and then you're going to fight Canelo Alvarez, okay? And that will be in September of 2020, okay? So Gennady Golovkin went away, we negotiated with Derevanchenko, we made that fight, we then negotiated with Zerometa, we signed a contract with Zerometa to fight Gennady Golovkin, it was done, it was agreed, and he turned around and he went, okay look i wanted I wanted canelo Alvarez, but that's my that's my plan. I signed the contract. that's what I'm doing. Fast forward. He fights Dervenchenko fight of the Year contender was due to fight Zeramometer in March or April now we know obviously that was not possible so but he has a signed contract with Zeramometer. you know he he's almost been messed around he feels once, so he got a new plan, signed that. And now he's saying, no, no, actually, now you've got to fight Canelo in September. So one is if he does that, he'll probably lose his IBF title. We know how that strict they were about the Canelo situation anyway. And two, he hasn't boxed. Now, by the time the Zerometa fight comes around, he probably wouldn't have boxed for nearly a year. And he's coming off an absolute war. So I think in situations where there's contracts in place, you know, my plan is not just to come in and tear up contracts. I say, sorry, mate, well, the game's changed that you know, there's promises that have been made not just to Golovkin but to Zerometa as well. Those contracts and emails been sent to the IBF confirming the mandatory had been signed. So, you know, and I think Gennady, who doesn't really speak up too much, sort of feels a little bit like, hang on, guys, like I wanted the Canelo fight, you gave me this other plan, I've signed this into this now, and now I've got to rip that up and, and go again. So, what I would like to see happen is I would like to see Gennady Golovkin fight Zerometa in August, and I would like to see. Billy Joe Saunders fight Canelo in September. And then I would like to see in December um, the winners fight. Because that is one fight where we really do need to put that into the zone calendar. And listen, Canelo, Billy Joe Saunders is a great fight. Gennady Golovkin against Zerometa, big favourite, but also his record breaking defence. And if we can roll that into Canelo against Triple G, if they're both out of that in December. That's what I'm saying to the DAZN guys right now is you have an obligation and a signed contract for Golovkin to fight Meta. Let's get that done in August. Canelo, if you want to fight in the meantime, we agree terms with Billy Joe Saunders. No problem. You two fight in December. And then you can go back to the customer, the subscriber, and say, great news, we got Golovkin, Zerometa, Canelo against Billy Joe. And guess what? They beat each other. They're in the ring in December. And then hopefully in December, we're in a situation where gates and live crowds can return in Las Vegas.
1: know, yeah, look, Eddie, uh, as a as an observer, like I don't disagree with that assessment. In fact, I look. I wonder, like I wonder if Golovkin kind of needs a Zera meta fight from a confidence perspective, from a working another fight with Jonathan Banks perspective. It would only be his third fight with his new trainer. I get all that, but I also can look at the other side of it, and I'm sure you have. You know, all that you're talking about. Conservatively, would cost probably an extra fifty million dollars when you factor in Canelo's payday, Golovkin's payday, Saunders' payday, Zerometta's payday. Probably well north of that. I mean, what's your sense of whether Dzoun has the appetite for something like that?
2: Well, I think you know that that was already scheduled. So you know that the Saunders against Zerametta sorry, Saunders against Canelo fight was due to happen in May. It didn't happen. So now it's happening in September. You know, this is not new fights that have just rocketed out of anywhere. These are existing fights that were due to happen. You're right, Chris. Things have changed. The game has changed. And DeZone might turn around to, to those guys and say, that this is what we want to do. We'll, you know, we'll put some more money in that pot. or make out anything's possible. But when we talk about Gennady and oh, getting another fight and working with Jonathan Banks, he was given a plan that he planned his career and his moment. The, the Canelo fight against Triple G is the absolute defining moment now of Gennady's career. He has to get that right. He has to win that fight. So when he's got a plan and, you know, when we've signed a contract with Zerometa, it's not just as easy to say, well, you know, all we've done is we're delaying obligations that are already in place. And, you know, when we talk about spending money, Billy Joe Saunders against Canelo Alvarez is is a great, great fight. We've got to come back with a compelling schedule. There's nothing more compelling than Canelo against Triple G. So we have to show that that is done and we have to show that is... There and you can reach it and you can touch it, but we are going to also have a stacking up of obligations that were due to take place that need to take place. Might be Demetrius Andrade's mandatory defence against Liam Williams. You know, we we don't want to see that. You don't want to see that. You want to see the Andrade fight. You've been campaigning for it for the last three years. So, so there are Charlo, there are Charlo going Charlo to be
1: fight. Charlo fight. Charlo,
2: no, sorry, Charlo fight. Yeah. So, so the the um, the situation is, you know, I think that. There are going to be obligations that need to be taken care of, but everybody needs to be moving in the right direction to provide the best. I'm just interested to see from a top rank, from an ESPN and a PBC, Fox, how, when and who and how the fights work. Because my plan right now is basically try and put the same schedule together that we had before. But I don't think that's everybody else's plan. I hope it's not because we're going to be in a good spot. But it's going to be expensive. You know, we're going to have to bite the bullet on a lot you know, over the next six months. But it is what it is. You can either do it or go back to sleep. And, and when you wake up, life may never be the same again. But have you,
1: like, just to, to put a button on this, I mean, have you had any conversations with the people at the zone since Golovkin went public with his desire to fight, or his insistence, I guess, that he's going to fight Zerometta next?
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, look, we speak to the zone all the time and we're building our schedule now with them. Of course, they want Canelo against Triple G as soon as possible. You know, naturally they would, but to be honest, Chris, they always have done, mm-hmm. you know, but for one reason or another, it hasn't come as quickly as they would have liked. So, whilst they want that fight next, they also understand that, you know, Gennady was given a plan to move forward with. And, you know, there has to be that has to be uh, considered as well. For me, As long as it's in the schedule, as long as you can see it, it's okay. But you are quite right. There is additional dollars to be spent on that schedule and moving forward. But if we can come back to the subscriber and say, you know, like I said, July is a boxing back on the platform. August is Golovkin. September is Canelo. September, October might be AJ. You know, then we go into Triple G against Canelo. We've got Devin Haney could fight Ryan Garcia in November. You know, that's, that's what we're looking to do. That's what we want to come back with. And not, not oh, we're bad, boxing's back and we've got these fights that aren't great. But you know, we're always, I feel like with the zone, we're always getting heat from everybody anyway. So if we can come back with a compelling schedule, if we come back with a poor schedule, we're just going to get bombarded. It's not even going to be, thanks for bringing boxing back it's going to be, whoa. what is this? You know, We have to be outperforming our competitors and outperforming their schedules.
1: One of the things, Eddie, that mitigates cost in, in an event like this is doing it overseas. I mean, I, I think no one would argue that the Joshua Ruiz rematch gave DAZN huge bang for its buck uh, based on the subscribers it pulled versus uh, the cost that it had. I mean, you have explored Golovkin in Kazakhstan before. Do you consider that still on the table for his next fight if he goes ahead with Zaremeta?
2: Well, that was uh, the model that was in play, you know, prior to all this. And actually that that was, again, you know, almost like a financial relief, like you say, for DAZN to stage those fights internationally. I think when we did the Joshua Rees fight, I think DAZN were disappointed and they weren't very happy with me that I didn't do that fight in the US. But it cost them considerably less money. And how much of a difference did it make? You know, it came in at 2 p.m., I don't think it was a great weekend for sport because there was the the basketball as well, but did very, very well. Did a huge, you know, hundreds of thousands of subscribers, that that fight. So they were very, very pleased. And I think they started looking at the model and saying, "Okay, it's not the end of the world to bring in big international fights. Um, So I think it's going to be really interesting now. Like I said, before all this, we were so red hot. You know, we were speaking to Kazakhstan. We were speaking to China. We were speaking to Saudi Arabia, to Abu Dhabi, to Dubai were approaching us. You know, all these different territories. We want to stage a major fight. I can't tell you that right now my phone is nonstop ringing with countries saying, we still want to bring a major fight. There will be. And they want to show that they're back up and running as a a destination. But right now people have got bigger problems. And we have to sometimes, somehow, sorry, substitute that gate for the mega fights. You know, Canelo against Billy Joe is a problem. That's a fight that could do an $8 million gate or something like that. How is that subsidized? Joshua against Pulev. You know, that's a could be a $10 million gate. Okay. We just do it behind closed doors. Where's the 10 million go? You know, so we have to look internationally. We have to look at, be creative. You know, some territories, New Zealand, Australia, they're basically reporting zero cases now. You know, so some countries are going to rebound quicker and we've got to be creative in ways to substitute a gate if it can't happen in the territories that ideally we'd like it to.
1: Is that, I mean, this kind of segues to a question about Anthony Joshua. I mean, you know, the Pulev fight, uh, tentatively scheduled for the summertime. Is that something that you think just can't exist in the United Kingdom based on what we know right now about the lockdown rules and the future of sport? I mean, have you actively explored other possibilities? Where is that fight right now?
2: Yeah, I mean, um, it's the fight that I see happening. You know, we're all working together for other alternatives. we had approach from a, a, an amphitheater coliseum in Croatia last week and some guys who wanted to bring the fight out there. The Middle East have shown interest in that fight as well. We really wanted to do that fight in the UK, but it's virtually impossible to do it. And to be honest, Chris, I don't really want to do an AJ fight behind closed doors. I just don't think, you know, his whole career, his whole brand, hasn't it, it has been built on the fact that he is this huge draw with tens of thousands of people, fireworks and sweet Carolina. You know, to go and do it in a, in a dark studio an empty hall just wouldn't feel right. So AJ's a little bit different, you know, in that there's going to be plenty of approaches and there has been already about staging that fight. So I see AJ fighting anywhere between September and November, to be honest with you. And obviously we wait on, you know, Wilder against Fury have the same problem they're going to want to generate a $10, $15 million gate. So they may look internationally for that fight as well. And obviously the winners of those fights must fight each other.
1: Mm. When do you think the earliest is that we could see a real live gate? Uh, Understanding that there's a lot of unknowns with all this, but do you have a a date in your head saying, look, we got to schedule fights behind closed doors until when?
2: Are you talking U.S. or U.K.? I'm saying both. I think if I'm the U S is, is interesting, Chris, because you are governed by States. Okay. So, and I have to look at Las Vegas right now and think, I mean, at what point do Vegas have to turn around and say, we have to go for it here. You know, I mean the the business and the economy, there must be absolutely on its knees, knees. I think MGM, something like 60,000 of 69,000 employees were, were made redundant or something. And, They're gonna want to drive big events back in there as soon as possible. I'd be very surprised if you didn't see a live gate back in Vegas this year. Very surprised. You know, sometimes people kind of forget it is only May, right? And a vaccine, by the way, solves all this. But when's that coming? You know, August, September, October, November. You've got to think it's somewhere. You know, there's a lot of people working on it, but for me, I think live gates will return in the US faster than they will in the UK. And I think it's 50-50 whether we see live gates in the UK this year. But I, I believe you will see live gates, particularly in Vegas, you know, around November, December. And, and that would open the door then for a Canelo Alvarez Triple G fight. You know, maybe a, a Joshua fight, maybe a Fury Wilder fight. And, and you know that MGM, you know, all these big organisations are going to need to bring major fights to to Las Vegas because they're going to have to open that place up, drive people back in, and they'll be gunning for, for major fights, which will be good news. And that's why we have to try and make them.
1: Does that take your, you know, you have other significant UK fighters. I mean, you've got the Usyk Chisora fight that was scheduled for uh, this month, actually. I mean, does that, are you, does that mean those fights just can't happen in the UK or are you willing to do stuff like that behind closed mm-hmm. doors?
2: I think we have to do some behind closed doors. I mean, I've already made plans for White Povetkin behind closed doors, which may add Katie Taylor and Serrano onto that bill as well. That's a, uh, you, that's a fight that was going to generate well over a million pound gate. You know, so it's, it's not easy. But again, I've made the decision that I will start with White Povetkin um, as, as our first big fight back because I don't want to do rubbish. You know, I'd rather wait there's no value in just saying, oh, we did it and it did nothing. The ratings were poor. we got a chance here while people are at home to actually in the UK have drive pay-per-view buys and decent viewership numbers. In the US, drive subscription numbers with the zone because people are at home more and people are clucking for live sport right now. So you're going to see, whether it's Jazora Usyk, whether it's White Povetkin, whether it's AJ, you're going to see some of those fights behind closed doors because I don't feel comfortable with just rolling out rubbish when we return.
1: Is that offer for Jamal Charlo still on the table?
2: Yeah, it probably is. I don't think we're <laughs> in terms of the budgets moving forward, I don't think the zone are going to turn around and say, oh, you know, we, we haven't got the money anymore for big fights. That's what they want. What they might do, it might hurt the smaller and middle levels – where they go, no, 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 we don't want that. Just, we want, give us the biggest possible to come back with, you know, which is good news for fight fans. Mm. So in that respect, Charlo against Andrade wouldn't be a problem. But as we know, Charlo, you know, started off, he was his own boss and then I made him an offer and they told me I got to speak to Al. So who knows? But, um, you know, we just want to see boxing back. And I think it's down to all of us now, me, Bob, Al, to make sure that we deliver. You know, and we have to use this moment to deliver.
1: I'm willing to sell a kidney if that helps get the Charlo Android. I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't will it into life any, any harder. Uh, Eddie, appreciate it, man. Good luck with the homeschooling and everything that uh, goes on in life off the road, my friend. I appreciate it.
2: I will see you very soon.
1: All right, that's it for this week's episode. My thanks to my guests. As always, subscribe to the podcast over at Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, you know I appreciate it. And I'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh?
0: Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country.
1: Heck Yeah. And some waves, so we could go surfing.
0: I oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A Redwood Forest would be cool. I'm in.
2: Ah, ski slopes. Let's
0: do it. Um, Tanner, girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
1: I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy.